Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. Jason, this is our episode 50. Congratulations. Unbelievable. To me. And I to just you. want to thank my parents. Uh, that's all I, I have. I want to thank. Yeah. And Who Connor. else? And God, maybe? I God. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Wait, let me redo it. Yeah, no, that, that's it's amazing to me. It, it doesn't feel. And when I count the weeks, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, because we do mm-hmm. it almost every week. Um, if it weren't for Indigo, we would have 52 right now. But anyway, the, uh, the first time she's ever caused me to <laughs> miss something or not. Uh, yeah, I The know. blaming begins. Um, well, eventually children blame their parents for everything. So be, be this warned. This is true. You know, so. I'm already setting her up for like smaller things. I'm already <laughs> setting her up for, you know, not the major issues, but the, but the smaller ones. Right. I was amazed uh, when Connor told me a week or so ago that this would be our 50th episode. And so we're going to take a pause uh, right in the middle of our Mark 14 scripture and just kind of reflect on what it's what it's like, what we've learned about recording 50 episodes of Amazed and Perplexed. And just so grateful uh, for those of you that have listened to a, a bit of our journey or the whole journey uh, and excited just to dream of what God might be doing. So join us for this conversation I just as we share how we're amazed and perplexed about how God has taught us through this podcast. So 50, 50. So how does that hit you? I mean, what, what, yeah. When you think about man, 50th episode. Well, it, it's really funny because I mean, we've talked about it so many times, but like, this is literally just what we've done for five years. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, it, it literally just feels like a continuation. It just feels like, um, it, it's so, cause when we started the podcast, it was just this, idea of like we wanted to share the conversations we've been having every week for, for the past four or five years or however long and there's a part of me I mean because I'm doing like the work of editing and that sort of stuff but like there's a part of me that just goes like this isn't 50 this is you know 100 and 150 and if you listen to two or three episodes um, the content's different what we talk about is different but the heart uh, has been the same since man we started five years ago mm-hmm. and for me I think that with all the turmoil that happened for us in the past year of getting fired and having a baby and uh it's just been such a blessing to have that to have this continual kind of thing to come back to and to um just be steady it's almost it's funny how quickly we become adapt to like uh a new a new responsibilities or a new thing because like before we had these conversations my responsibility was to you to show up to be engaged in conversation to invest and to love you but it's a whole new dynamic to show up to invest to love um a group of people that I can't see, which is a funny dynamic. That is fascinating. That is. I'll tell you, for me, I'm a little bit staggered that we've been doing it this long, um, and I wouldn't have thought about it except, you know, being forced to think, hey, what do you think in the 50 episodes? I, I'm i I'm pretty big-time ADHD, and if anything, it's getting much worse, you know? Uh, and so I usually get really restless working in the same way. Like, I, I like a hard stop. Matter of fact, if you look at my ministries at Memorial – I, I am always like, let's just do this and then stop for a while and rest and come back. And part of that's just my ADHD. I just don't want to be locked in too long. And so I, I find it, um, yeah, it's, it, this is so life-giving for me that that's why it's like 50, really? And then simultaneously, I totally agree with you. I'm like, yeah, this is fundamentally what we started talking about, you know, I don't know, year after you graduated high school. Um, 
you know, that, that we're having the same kind of conversation. It's just now when people come up to me or send me a signal, I've had several people encourage me, you know, over the last few weeks, like, man, love the, love the podcast. I'm like, now the what? <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, we record <laughs> we those do that, and yeah. we put those out to other people. Um, but it is, you're right. It's an extension of that. And I love that. Not because I'm like, oh, you listen to us, but I'm intrigued with what does it say to you? Uh, you know? Uh, so, so yeah, I think that's just a beautiful thing. It's so funny because like I, I know like it's a very typical white guy thing when you have like a podcast for that to become your identity. Um, but there is this really funny thing when people talk to me that like have listened or know I do it. There's this, there's this awkward thing like, Hey, I'm not calling the latest episode or I'm not, you know, whatever. And like, and it, it's so funny because like if somebody is like feels anxiety over that, like I'm just like, whatever, man, like that's totally fine. Like I was like, I don't catch up on my favorite podcasts. I don't like, I'm not hundred percent caught up. And it's, it's so funny how like, um, it's so cool because it opens up so many windows because like you said, like somebody talks about the podcast. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's one of a, one of the things that I do in my life. Um, but to be like when somebody sees me or, or when a particular person sees me and to identify me with like these conversations to identify me with this approach to scripture, it is kind of a cool thing um, because it's informed how I live my life for the past four to five years, how it's in, how I've you know seen scripture, how I viewed the world um, to be seen in the lens and the light of these conversations uh, is I hope pretty cool. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully it casts well on me. I don't know. Well, and at at the heart of this, certainly for me, is the idea that I was afraid to study scripture, and and my fear of stu- and the reason being, if that doesn't track with a, a listener, is that idea of what you if might I get, get fired. Wrong? What's that? You might get fired. Well, I might get fired. That that's a true <laughs> consequence. We've seen that. I uh, but just in a general sense, like who am I to be coming up with new stuff? Because the reason why don't you read the same book over and over and over again? Because you there's nothing new there, you yeah. know. And when you're discouraged from discovering new things in the Bible, because we're like, no, fifty years ago we decided what our doctrine's going to be, and don't ever think about changing anything, which is the message I received. I just I didn't like studying the Bible. I didn't like reading the Bible. I did it because I had to do it, and good Christians did it. But then I would hear about this idea of Jesus leads us into life and his word is life. And I'm like, David is talking about, you know, he meditates on on the law, even the, the more boring manifestation of the word. You know, he meditates on it day and night and that brings him life. And I was like, I don't feel that way at all. And and so our study was really a teaching and is an ongoing teaching moment for me mm-hmm. of how do we help first ourselves and then anybody that we might have influence over to approach the the word of God in a way we're not creating something new. We're just trying to remove the impediments that have been placed there by other humans, including me at times. Uh, you better get this right. Mm-hmm. When it, when I allow myself, I'm just going to be amazed by the word and, and I'm going to allow myself to ask hard questions of the word and I'm not sinning. Yeah. God's not unhappy with me. This is part of the conversation. Yes, I'm having this conversation with you, Connor, but more than anything, I'm having this conversation with God, God's spirit with, with the son mm-hmm. himself, who is the word of God. Um, that's this this opening ourselves and and letting him be God. You know what's funny? I come almost come at not not from a, a very similar perspective, but in terms of the fear of like who am I? Uh, there's actually I carry a lot of anxiety about the idea of the podcast like getting a lot more listeners, of getting a lot more people to listen because like right now you know we're we're pretty comfortable like you know people you know a few circles outside of our friends listen to it like you know not not how do i phrase this like we have like the people around us who are, who are in our lives that listen to it then there's a circle outside that they recommend it to then the circle then there's a circle but it's relatively safe right like there are people mm-hmm. most people could who listen to podcasts can have our phone number or can find us in in a very simple way and so it right. feels very safe um and so like oh yeah i would talk to like anybody about these things but that the scary thing for me is like if it were to grow if it were to get bigger of then like well then what do the phds say what are the people who are you know who are real, real bible the scholars. real bible people yeah. um and, and it's so funny that i'm i'm more 
anxious and afraid of that than I am of like of of being afraid of what God thinks of it, hmm. um, which just says so much about uh, I think about the struggle of of you know honoring what what God thinks over what man thinks. And right. man, I, I I just like from it, it's so I think it's just it bears repeating for for you and I. Like basically before this podcast, we recorded a se- we we talked a second podcast before this, and we we had these conversations, and we'd be having these conversations if we had five people listening or or five thousand people listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's somewhere in between there. Just so you know, uh, right. that's uh, Jason doesn't Jason doesn't know the numbers. He doesn't want to know the numbers. I don't but, track anything. But I'm letting him know it's between five to five five thousand. Outstanding. <laughs> I appreciate all five and a half of you. Five and a half. <laughs> So, Jason, uh, I don't know if this is what's going to be like. This is just the process that we have, and I'm sure this is why I, th- I don't think our podcast will ever have like hundreds of thousands of listeners. Because some people, uh, I'm going to use a word here that I got made fun of in an older group of people saying uh, some people really vibe with the idea of like just kind of you know just you know shooting from the hip and and having a conversation. And some people are like anarchy, like that's that's absolutely crazy. You got to right. have a plan. And so, Where Jason, your notes? Jason, yeah, Jason and I definitely follow follow in the former category of that. Uh, so we're just kind of processing here as we as we unpack together because we hadn't really talked about it before what 50 episodes mean. And so uh, kind of my just kind of a question and maybe this will be part of the episode uh, that we talk about scripture or maybe it'll be a separate thing that if you're interested in, you can listen to. Um, so one of the questions that I have is what is, what has been a through line for you? What's been like one of the more encouraging aspects of the whole pot of the whole adventure. And then what, what's a hope or what's a dream um, that you have for maybe not even just the podcast, but for the uh, concept of what we do. So the through line it would be, and I could give you a, Uh, several examples of where I see this is that God is trustworthy if we would relax. Uh, I feel like one of the biggest impediments to us connecting with God is that sense of, oh, I better get this right. And as soon as I start thinking, I better get this right, I lean in and take control, Mm -hmm. which unintentionally, subconsciously, that, that pushes God out. That is me exerting my free will to block him to go the direction I want to go, which is the exact opposite of what you see functionally every person that you see responding by faith if you're to freeze frame right before Moses you know approaches the burning bush or right before you know David you know pick a moment you know whatever that is there's this natural human part that would say here's how this is going to go and so strategize well you know I mean and then there's this part of what actually happened you know I mean and especially with those things that are you know, somebody can make the case, you know, I use David and like, well, he knew he could do it because he killed a lion and a bear. So maybe that's not the best framing. But like Moses in front of, you know, approaching the Red Sea or Joshua at Jericho or the apostles in any given situation where the natural bent would say, defer to the religious elite, come back on Sunday and do that healing or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they, they would never go the direction that conventional wisdom would have taken them. Mm -hmm. And yet when I say, okay, now I need to get my ducks in a row to make sure I get this right for God, I am functionally saying, what is my conventional wisdom? Now, I want to be really clear. God can work through anything, including my impediments that I throw up there. But but the more I free myself to say, God, what is it you want? And God, I trust that you already know what's happening in this moment. And so I want to relax in you. This doesn't eliminate all of my education or my wisdom or my experience, but it doesn't put the onus, the, the weight of that on me. And I think, mm-hmm. I think this is the thing that we subconsciously do all the time. Like, I really want to approach God, and then we put all the weight on ourselves to make it work. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if, like, the, we feel so much pressure, like, 
we have so much pressure to figure it out, to, to be able to get ourselves right, to go before God. Um, and we have this kind of like, well, one, once we get there, once we achieve that, once we have fixed this issue, um, and we all, we all reckon, we talked about that so many times, how, 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 how that kills people, how that just leads people into death. Um, but it, I almost, I almost think about, um, the pressure that we have to have, to get everything right in the moment, right. Of like, how we feel when we have a thought that doesn't fit into the framework of, of how we've been told God is supposed to exist or what God wants from us. And there's almost this pressure of that when we color outside the lines, when we have a thought that feels unsafe, that that is just a further mark against us in getting to the point where we need to be to approach God. And when we, I think when we, we talk about scripture, um, it's so easy because man, it's so dense. It's so, it's so heavy to it's so easy to um just really get into the minutiae and and forget that this is a has to be a holistic approach right who we all we can do in this moment we talked about this a thousand times all we can do in this moment is to love god with all we have and to love our neighbor and what that does over time is that eventually conforms us to his image and it makes us more like jesus um but when we think about it if that's the case if all we can do is love god in this moment then if we believe that unsafe thoughts, or if we believe that an unsafe observation is something that God is not comfortable with or is not a part of the process, then we shut ourselves off to wonder. We shut ourselves off from the possibility of God blowing our minds or of God transforming us. Because we all recognize we need to be transformed by God. We all recognize we need to be made more into the image of, of his son. But here's the thing. If we have every right thought then we'd already be Jesus. Like if we already have it all figured out, if we already have all of the right doctrine and all of the right ways of thinking, all the right ways of doing, then we would already we would already be where we need to be. We'd already be um, what 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 God is making us to be. Uh, and I think the pressure. I think this is my through line through the whole thing. The pressure. The the pressure to not be right. Uh, the pressure to be right for me has never felt so. Um, foreign um getting fired for me i feel like it's just freed me up to not to not <laughs> i feel like it's freed me up to not be afraid um of being wrong in a moment it's freed me up to be okay with being wrong um to be okay with being seen as foolish to be okay with being seen as um as not having it all together much more than it it did before yeah i i think this has just been such a life-giving um a life-giving through line the idea that um, I could have an observation of scripture. I can have a take on scripture. I can have a belief of scripture and it can be good and it can be right five years ago. And I can read that same thing and have a different observation and a different take and a different belief. And that still be good and right in this moment today and not belittling what was five years ago, not belittling what I believed or how I handled it five years ago, but honoring what God is teaching me in the moment. That has been so impactful for me because I think the if, if God is truly timeless if God is existing if God sees all planes and all possibilities and he sees um, like if, if it, he truly has a plan for us um, man I think it, it frees us up from so much shame right because we discover something new we read something new we hear something new we're taught something new mm -hmm. and the natural thing is to be ashamed of what we thought before ashamed of what we believed before but man if we believe that God is who he is that this is a process of discovery this is a process of growth then what we held on to before is a part of that journey. What we held on to before, what we believe before is a part of the journey. And we don't bemoan children for, you know, not being able to walk and then one day being able to walk. And yet we hold ourselves to such a higher standard than, than that.
I all that you said and what's what what I love about our conversations and so I'll credit to the podcast but as we said before this started a while ago so we're talking and all of a sudden this thought explodes in my head that I've never thought before you know and I have confidence I'm going to reference this a thousand times going forward and it's this dynamic of the whole the whole deal where where you, where you have a baby and you're like, why is this baby not earning money? Why is this baby not, you know, driving a car yet? I, I, I had children to take care of me in my old age, and they're helpless. You know, what I mean, and of course we would look at that ridiculous because it's physical. We can assess it. Oh, this baby will grow. We've seen other babies. We and ourselves were babies, you know, and we grew to this place. Spiritually speaking, though, since we can't see that, we lack it. Mm. We 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 kind of lack, and we always compare ourselves to who we think is the most spiritual, whether we do this consciously or not. Why can't I be like that person? Yeah. And, and if you say that self, if you say that to yourself enough, you will shut down. You'll think, well, this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. I'll never grow. And I think a lot of Christians, why they're not excited about their faith is they can't point to a concrete way that they've really grown, mm-hmm. you know, because they've convinced themselves they'll never be good enough. And God's like, you are so right. You will never be good enough. And I never expected you to be. In the same way, it's not you know, it's not like the baby's like, i got to figure out this walking thing. God built it into them to desire that and have the, the development to do that. Spiritually, there's even a more beautiful and powerful thing that's supposed to happen there. But we throw it into chaos because we're like, well, if I can't do it right now, then I'll never be able to do it. And I think this is interesting. This is a segue, but but it's it's similar in thought. What if Jesus ran stuff like that? So he's there, his first miracle, at least in Cana, and he's there, and his mom's like, do something, you know, create more wine. And he's like, that's never been done before. Like, like I can't, I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm like, is there any Old Testament thing where they made wine out of water? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, it'd be like, the only thing I can make out of water is blood because that's all I know. You know, mm-hmm. the only precedent we have is to turn water to blood. We don't have any water to wine. You know, so then the next thing, it's like, we don't have any specific dynamic of, of healing a, a blind person. We don't have any specific. There's no precedent, God. You can't expect us to do this, God. We've never done it before. And I think we, we do that as churches. And therefore, we become man-made, man-led institutions. But we also do it, and this is the bigger shame, the bigger uh, sadness, is that dynamic of I say to myself all the time, well, if, I'm 50 years old. You know, If I haven't done it by now, I'll never do it. You know, And I think I do that so much and so subconsciously, I don't even notice that I'm in a constant state of following Jason and not following God. Is that why is is this why Jesus calls us to be like children, right? Children don't have a precedent for walking. Children don't have a precedent for wow. eating. Children don't have a precedent precedent for talking, and yet they keep pushing forward. They keep going forward. There are these things that that God has planned for them, and they are all good things. I mean, the number one uh, Indigo is five months old right now, and the thing that people always like enjoy this stage, enjoy this stage, enjoy this stage. It's so beautiful. You, like things are going to get better and different and harder, and and all these complete. But enjoy this stage, and we've heard that since the very beginning. And it's so funny that we see it in babies, right? We see that there's joy in the stage there's joy in the stage of of pooping your pants and needing somebody to do everything for you there's joy right. in this there's yes. joy in this in in this child that laughs uh, it, jason sitting next to her her play turtle thingy mm-hmm. her little um toy turtle animal thingy i don't know what it's called a stuffed animal and um the hard words the hard words <laughs> hard hard words man um we we like we we intuitively know that there's joy in that there's joy in 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 being able to sit in the stage and enjoy it, knowing that there's going to be a different stage down the road, knowing that there's going to be growth, knowing that there's going to be change, and that that will that stage will inevitably have its own joys and its own um its own things to praise and to be and to be thankful for, and it's just one of those things that I think about like how paralyzed a child I think we uh, this, this gets, well this will get in my soapbox soapbox about youth ministry in general and, and what we've done to teenagers, but I think 
we try to do this to children so often. Like how how suffocating if you could put your like if you were to put your adult mind into a baby and think all the things you have to learn, all the things you have to accomplish, all the motor mm. skills, all the muscles you have to build up. I mean, you would think it'd be impossible to be, you know, you'd go insane. You'd go in, you go you absolutely insane. Even if you were to get to the point of four to five years old, you're walking and you're talking, and you're maybe you know you're starting to maybe learn how to read, but you were to think about all the things you have to learn at school and all the social things you had to learn and going through puberty again. I mean, all of these things would be such a weight that you would not even begin to be able to live. You would be frozen out of fear. And I mean, I think sadly we do this a lot for our kids and our teenagers as we freeze them with fear and these expectations. Um, but if God, all ca- if what God calls us to do is to live in the moment, to love him and to love his people, which is everybody, then that frees us up. Right. And then we don't have to live in what the precedent that has already been set. We get to live in full awe of the wonder and the majesty of what God can do and who he can be. And I, I just think about how suffocating it is when I see people place these, um, unrealistic, unfair expectations on their children um, for school or for careers or for sports, whatever the thing may be. And the reality is, is we're doing that same thing, but with our faith walk. Um, and that is, and that is absolutely devastating for children when they're, when their parents f- place those unfair expectations in the, and I think the true, the truly heartbreaking thing is we think God has placed those same expectations on us for our spiritual walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we need an hour and a half just to start processing what you just said. <laughs> that is a hundred percent true. I, I will say this as a parent who who now has two adult children. Um, it is a gift to you. Now, I, I know there's an exception to what I'm about to say, but in general, it is a gift to you. So I'm going to say it to you, Connor. It will be a gift to you when Indigo says, if this ever crosses their mind, I don't believe there is a God, and they're not fighting. She's just trying to wrap her mind around this thing that is unbelievable from human processing. It, it, it even talks about in Scripture that God gives you the ability to believe in him and to connect with him in a meaningful way. So, And, and I, I just want to keep reinforcing the man that got his demon-possessed son healed said, I believe, help me because I don't believe, you know. And, and this is the spirit. It's the desire to believe that is the key to, to Jesus' work in our life. And sometimes I desire to believe, and I really feel strongly about it. And sometimes I desire to believe, and I, man, I'm fighting just to stay in the conversation because I don't believe so strongly because the evidence does not add up because God made me. Now, this is very important. God designed me to work primarily from my five senses. And he intentionally occupies a space beyond my five senses. As a matter of fact, Paul writes, I, I pray that God would give you eyes to see meaning you will not ever sense this unless God gives you supernatural ability to perceive his love for you. And yet we expect if I raise my kids in a Christian home, then they're just going to believe in God because I believe in God. Now, the truth is most adults won't allow themselves to admit there are times I do not believe in God, which is completely irrational to say at times, I don't believe in God. You know, or at the very least, man, I really struggle. And the reason is because we don't fully understand God. And anybody that says they do, then you're infinite. Then you're all-knowing. How would you, a a finite person, ever think that you would understand infiniteness? I mean— Oh, yeah. Well, it's even true. Even if if you would like to lie to yourself and say that, like, you you don't—like, that you've never had the thought, you've never had the struggle, your life would say otherwise. Like, if you truly believed without any unbelief— 
that God was who he said he was, then you wouldn't be sinning the way that you're sinning. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be putting the evil out into the world that you're putting out into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, I, I think this is so, it's such a compelling, I remember when I first had this presented to me, um, it's such a compelling a, a compelling thing that so often when we refuse to love our neighbor, when we refuse to follow the teachings of Jesus, to trust that following the teachings of Jesus are for the best of us, that's denying who Jesus is. That's right. And for and, and here's the thing, Christians for so long have said that that's not what's important. It's the words that matter. And I think the words do matter. I think the mm-hmm. words very much matter. But the thing, but you can't have either or, right? Like you can't deny, Je- like you can't deny Jesus with your actions and affirm him with your words. But that's still denying Jesus. And if right. you, and if you deny Jesus, and just just clarify, if you deny Jesus with your words, but you know, seemingly from your actions you affirm him, that's that's still not that's still not where you need to be. Uh, and I think this is, I think this is at the heart of why of why we do this. I think it's um, it's a safe place. Hopefully, it's a safe place for you, listener, uh, and it's a safe place for me and Jason to just be able to process these things and not feel afraid that the other person will judge, and be able to share that. Hey, maybe if they're not afraid, if they're not, um, if 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 they suffer from unbelief in this moment, or they suffer from confusion or perplexion over this and I see Jason as my minister, I see Jason as a spiritual, you know, leader um, in my life, that that gives them permission um, to not have to hide that unbelief because that's that's what's that's up to this point in most people's life, that's what's happened. That's right. And that's why it's such a gift for for your child to say, um, I, I love this story, although it's exactly what I would have done, where a, a, a child came to, a teenage child came to their parent and said, I, I, I just don't believe in God. And the first response of the parent, I might have referenced this before, was, then you need to stop taking communion. You know what I mean? And then the parent thought better of it, I don't know how much longer, and came back and said, look, let's just talk about this. You know what I mean? Because what you're doing for your child, what, what your child is saying, now, again, if they're just screaming at you in anger, that's a different category. We'd have to talk about that in a different in a different conversation. Um but and I still think you can parent well in that situation, though I've had to learn the hard way how that goes. Um, but when your child comes to you and honestly says, "Man, I'm really struggling with this," and mm-hmm. if I'm push comes to shove, I don't even know if I'm a believer or not. For you to say, "Man, that's that's a normal response to a when, when we say God is unbelievable," that doesn't mean we don't believe. We're just saying by our five senses, there's no way we could get there naturally. Mm-hmm. That there is somebody that's pure spirit. Number one, how do we talk about that? Yeah, because we're so physical. Like, think about yourself without your body. It's like, uh, my brain just blew up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and yet, this this being can take on body, but not need a body. Eternal. You know, how do we think about it? being every place at one time? There's no way that my human mind can can take all this in and fully understand it. And and God designed me that way. Number one, and number two, it's a lie to say. And I fully get him. You don't fully get God. You know. And the truth of the matter is I have an image of God, of who I think he is, and then I experience pain. And then if I hang on to God, even if I'm struggling with believing him, he'll give me a clearer image of him. And then if I hang on to God, he'll give me a clearer image. But if I lived a billion years, I would still be getting a clearer image and a clearer image and a clearer image. And I would even I, – and I, 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 I expect that one day to feel that pain and that sorrow and that struggle. But I think about – man, how – like when I think about how we want to raise our kids um, – Right now, very much kid singular. Um, <laughs> uh, Your seven children. Well, seven, yeah. Uh, hopefully, Hannah doesn't hear that. When I think yeah. about how I want to raise raise Indigo, I, I think about how 
I, I, when when I hear that, that would be such a hard thing to hear. But how devastated I would be for her to just assume, like, like be 25 years old and be like, yeah, my dad's faith was completely right. He had it all figured out. At 25 years old, he became a dad. And then, you know, 25 years later, now the same age, yeah, he, he, he had it right, right at 25. He, he had figured it out. It was perfect. He knew how to communicate it right. He knew how to explain it all. He knew how to, you know, quantify the God and the creator of the universe. Like, that's such a ludicrous hope and such mm-hmm. a ludicrous idea. And I think about what I want for my, like, I, hopefully what we, I think what we all want um, for as, as parents or what we want as people who want to disciple people and want to see people come up in the faith is that we would be a stepping stone for even further exploration and either further depth and, and, and breaking down even more barriers to get closer to God. And hopefully my, my, my sincerest hope for my daughter is that I was started out. I started out my faith walk uh, in a place that would have been seen as absolutely radical for people who were um who were christians 30 to 40 years ago and my hope is is that i will be able to help start my daughter off on a path um that she that when she ends up where she ends up or she takes the the roads that she takes that um she will see like like she won't even be able to conceive and where I started. She won't even be able to um, begin to process how I got to where I got and that she'll go and I'll struggle with where she'll go. I'll struggle with, um, with, with what God teaches her, with what God reveals about himself to her. Uh, and I know it's easy to say those things beforehand, but I think it's important we say those things. I think it's important that we prepare, that we acknowledge that that's going to come. And my, my sincerest hope, um, and I think this is why we're always encouraging people to write in, to, to talk to us about what's going on in their mind, is if I believe that we have, that Jason and I can talk through all the answers here now, if I believe we can ultimately drill down and get to what needs to be said in a given moment, um, then I like, then I would be devastated if my daughter didn't hold to all my beliefs 100%. Mm-hmm. I'd be absolutely devastated. Right. But if I value what other people have to say, if I value what the Holy Spirit is doing in other people, then I should anticipate and be excited um, to have my beliefs or my thoughts on God questioned or even possibly overturned at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and for and and for me, I think this is like some. I, I know a lot of people. I, I probably six years ago, I would have seen this as like you know. My here's here's what my first response was like. It would be like. Well, chapter and verse you know book chapter verse jason book mm-hmm. chapter verse worth all this is and i think we could we could have that conversation but sure. i think when as we've processed acts and we process mark and we went through the life of david and as we've done what we've done here in amazing perplex this the, this whole concept is just permeates throughout scripture it just permeates throughout scripture the idea that abraham you know abraham's told that his descendants will number you know be as num- numerous as the stars and what he would picture that as and what it eventually fulfills as would have been two completely different things mm-hmm. and you think about if you think about the road that it ta- it takes to get where to fulfill this prophecy where it takes for it to go um, the devastation, the betrayal of Israel over and over and over again of its God, the the betrayal of Jesus and his disciples to, to, to go to where it eventually leads up to its ultimate fulfillment that we haven't even fully seen yet. I mean, we would I, if 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 Abraham could see that, I I wonder how he would feel. I, I mean, I think he'd be I think they'd probably be, be devastated. He wouldn't be able to even begin to comprehend um, be, begin to comprehend that promise that God. God well, makes. plus, would Abraham be going? So Gentiles are part of my. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, he, he'd like, be like, that doesn't sound right. Let's do that one more time. So Gentiles? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he'd be so stuck. So switching gears to the initial questions you asked, yes, too. The second one was, where do you see, where would you like to see this go? Mm-hmm. 
if you were given carte blanche, hey, use your imagination, where would you like to see this go? Sure. Well, man, I think um, we just kind of taking a taking a peel behind the curtain. We've 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 uh, we've tried kind of a amazed and perplexed trial run group for. Uh, where we had maybe five to six people in a group and you know just seeing like hey is this just two blowhards talking and you know does it only fit our personality type does it only fit um our background uh and the really encouraging thing is is that doesn't seem to be the case this seems to be something this this way of approaching scripture seems to be something that um that speaks to lots of different people in lots of different situations and lots of different backgrounds and so if i were to like have hopes and dreams for what the podcast would be you know obviously i'd love for you know even though I said I'd be anxious about it, I'd love for hundreds of thousand people to listen to it, and we'd be reading really dumb ads and make a lot of money. That, like that'd be awesome. Obviously, <laughs> this could be our whole job. That'd be a whole job, uh, Jason. Uh, gosh, my we'd have to we'd ha- we'd have to find some studio because I don't think Hannah could take us talking about this for <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for hours on end every day. Her, her having to stay in the bedroom but, the whole time. But we're I, talking, I think yeah. I do think um, uh, one sharing and, and helping disciple people in this in this process and two even inviting more and more people into this conversation mm-hmm. whether it be you know in a, in a group set an amazing perplexed group or even as part of the podcast and hearing uh hearing and and helping participate in the conversation um honestly I, i've seen the kind of life it it, it it's created in, in you and i and I've, we've begun to see it um over the past month or two in in these groups and i mean i would just love to see um i would just love to see it manifest in that way yeah, and that's where my head went immediately when you asked that question. Is the is that dynamic of I when we've done this group and we've had up to you know a dozen people I guess participate in one one week or, or another. Um, it's fascinating to me whoever God brings together. It, I, I have fear in the middle of the group because I'm telling you when we run these groups, it's just like we do these podcasts. Nobody knows the scripture. We take a minute to center ourselves. We read the passage with a little contextualization, and then we say, go. What amazes you? What perplexes you? And I experience fear that what if God doesn't produce? Like, I need to teach this class. I need to rescue the conversation. I need to, and then forcing myself to relax in God. And at the end of, it's just one hour. But at the end of that hour, being literally newly amazed, usually over and over and over again, uh, and newly perplexed, like, oh man, I have a whole new set of questions to be pondering with God. And and what that does is it keeps me open to God. It keeps me watching for God. And and yet I look around and I'm like, Connor, man, you're one of the, the most insightful people I know uh, about scripture. And so I'd be tempted to think, well, what's everybody else going to bring to the mix? And I'm telling you, we have people that have a good grasp of scripture and we brought in people that, that seem not to, and yet tremendous insight and and so i see the body of christ in a whole new way when i'm part of these groups i'm like wait a minute god gave you something that i literally did not have Mm -hmm. and yet i formally studied the bible for years you know what i mean and and i just think that's the the miraculous nature of what walking with in community with the word of god is supposed to be like instead of okay who's the biggest expert here well you speak we listen and there's virtually no feedback loop. Mm-hmm. We just ask you fact-based questions. Now, where was Jesus when he told this story? Which that's a reasonable question to ask, but there's no connection to my life. Mm. And I don't I know I haven't walked away from any of the groups feeling like, oh man, we, we put in our time. That was good. We read the scripture. It was like, 
man, that that's a totally different way of looking at that scripture. Most yeah. scriptures that we've covered a million times. Well, and we so a couple times, a few times we've had more and more people we separated into, into groups, and Jason and I have led separate groups. And I remember there was one time there was something I can't, I you know, I could go find my notes now, but there was something that was said in, in our group, and it, like it wasn't, I, I didn't say it. Um, it was just kind of like eventually the group kind of coalesced around this one thought, this one idea, this one take on scripture, um, and it just blew me away. And like I had to call you afterwards because I was like, man, Jason, this like we would never seen it this way. This was crazy, right? Uh, and and I think. Um, that excitement, uh, you and I, I know I get really excited when like we start to build and I start to see like, like the Holy Spirit does something to me when he said, you say something and, and we go back and forth. It's so incredible. It's even better when it's like fortify people in a group. Right. It's even, it's even crazier. And I go, man, this is part of what Paul is talking about when he talks about the body, where he talks about, you know, being a foot and being a, like, these are mm-hmm. all these different people. We had one group and it was, so there were, um, it was two middle-aged women and three guys in below the age of 25, 20 to 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, those are about the most different people that you can, like, you can assemble in a group. And yet, I mean, there was no awkwardness. There was no, and like, I mean, there's some relationship there, but, but more importantly, I think there was this, um, there was this, uh, there's just this comfortability that when you approach this topic, when you approach scripture, unafraid and you approach scripture um with these other people uh and you know that hey man they're gonna look they're gonna they they want to hear what you have to say they want to hear how the holy spirit is 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 speaking to you in this moment man that has so much power as opposed to like man this guy is really prepared for life and there's space for that we there's plenty there's space for that yeah um but man i i i think that this uh, not not even the lenses of amazed and perplexed but just what what it represents and what it means i think man i think it has so much potential for life and so much potential for growth and in 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 as many believers as god wants it to yeah, absolutely. This this Sunday at Memorial, where actually Connor and I, the the church I, I'm I'm the one of the preachers at, we're going to present the Amazed and Perplexed model and actually do it in a sermon format. Mm-hmm. And guess how many times we practice that? Zero. <laughs> or unless you count this, we practice it at least yeah. fifty times. You know. Um, but I just want to see. I mm-hmm. want to see in the big collective. Now, obviously, we won't have give and take with the you know several hundred people. But I want them to engage the scripture we're about to engage with and say, what amazes you? What perplexes you? Find a space to talk about this afterwards. You know, write it down. Write it down. What What is the thing? Listen to us understanding we're just two other humans, two other children of God right alongside you. Take what, what we do. Let it stir you. But recognize your unique thought is is beautiful and amazing too. And here's something that comes up so often. Uh, I picked a passage for this last this last week, uh, this last kind of trial run. And while while I was reading, I was like, I didn't pick the right one. There's too many people in this group. Like, there's not going to be enough content. There's not going to be enough. Like, everyone's going to have the same thought. Everyone's going to. Nobody ever has the same thought. The Holy Spirit comes in in completely different and unique ways. Even if there's similar points, there are twists and there are perspectives um, that 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 these people have had these experiences that these people um, have lived these whole other lives following God. And I just, it's something that like, I just keep like, I keep having this fear that like, Oh no, there's not going to be enough here to talk about. There's not going to be enough perspective. And yet there's always something new. There's always fresh perspective and there's always new things that God wants to teach us. And it's almost like this, like this bet that I keep having with God. I'm like, well, God, you're not going to keep coming up in this way. You're not going to keep like, eventually we're going to hit the bad group. Eventually we're not going to have like the right conversation. Um, and it just keeps not happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it just reminds me, you know, he's so specific in Matthew six, ask, seek and knock. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, when I have big decisions, you know what I mean? But, but even in that moment, God, can you, can you just, you know, uh, it, inspire us by your spirit? Can you can you lead this conversation well? And and the key there is me choosing not to become an impediment to his work. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. me not saying, hey, you know, I know we're going to do the amazing perplexed thing, but I want to share with you a study I've had on this passage for 30 minutes, and then you can ask me primarily fact-based questions. You know, What's amazing, too, is when you start sharing what amazes and perplexes you about Scripture and you realize you're accepted, like you're not being rejected, something that is totally not part of the process, I mean, if you will, not, not an intentional process, is people would say, you know, this is something I really struggle with. There, there was confession, there was repentance, there was new commitment, and we weren't manufacturing any of that. We, we weren't saying, okay, now what's the thing you need to repent of? You know, the most we were saying is, what's one thing you want to take with you? You want to keep talking to God about, you know? Yeah. Um, and yet we didn't have to force that. As a matter of fact, we didn't even plan for it. It mm-hmm. was just like, oh, I, I feel compelled to say, this is what perplexes me. And a big part of that is because I live out of sync with God. Mm. And I just think anything that leads to new life and, and new realization, which the word says it's living and active. We just often don't let it be because we're like, I don't want you to interact with the word. I want you to interact with my interpretation of the word. I'm the teacher. I want you to interact with my interpretation. And if you ask a question outside of the scope of my interpretation, I'm going to dismiss it. I mean, when I was being raised or I'm going to accuse it. You know what I mean? I'm like, why would you even ask that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and this is the opposite of that. We're like, look, it, there is a space for deep scholarship and deep study, you know, but there also needs to be a space that you're encouraged just to study the the Bible, you as an individual, without fear of reprisal and with an exploratory open to adventure spirit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, when we go, <laughs> when when somebody visits the Grand Canyon, they don't want it like finding all the facts about, you know, how long it took for this to form and the different layers. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. It's really interesting read. But nobody goes to the Grand Canyon so that they can get a better appreciation of the fact of how it was formed. People go to the Grand Canyon because they want to be in awe and they want to be amazed and just in utter perplexion and utter confusion at how this exists, how this is a place on, on planet Earth. And so, I mean, I, I, I would just encourage, um, I would just encourage you. I would encourage you if you are uh, in the Tulsa area and you want to be a part of this sort of conversation. Uh, one, you can you can start having it like today. You could you know you can have it with God anytime you want. You could find a friend. You can find anybody and do this. You don't need you don't need our permission. You don't need us to, to do it. But if if you want if you want our help, if you want to talk through what it looks like, you want to talk through um, what it can be, or if you want to try to be a part of, um, of of a group that we may or may not have in the future, um, man, get in contact with us. If you're if you live outside of the Tulsa area and you want to think about trying to do this in your church or with your family, with you know when you you do your you know nightly prayers or your nightly study, um, and one, you can start doing it any time, but if you want to talk through it, we would be more than happy um, because ultimately our, our hope, and I think this is already coming to fruition, our hope is that this um, is something that's so much bigger than just what we do, um, what Jason and I do by ourselves. Uh, and hopefully, um, I, I think I think the sincerest hope, um, not that um, the words would be amazed and perplexed, but that the concept, the idea of being okay um, with, with being um, okay with being in awe of who God is and being okay with being confused and not being sure um, as, as a lens for studying scripture, our hope would be that that would be something that would be uh, that would explode in popularity, would explode uh, in, in being a discipleship tool for people. And so if we can help uh, in any other way than what we're doing right now, uh, we would love to be a part of that. Um, yeah, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our website, amazedandperplexed.com, or you can email us at amazedandperplexed at gmail.com. You can message us on Facebook, text us, uh, signal fire, write in the sky. That'd be really cool. You'd get my attention very quickly if you wrote in the sky, although I live 
right through the lane of a plane coming through. So I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't recognize that. You might be hard to get clearance, but yes, I would, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to, um, we'd love to help. We'd love to be encouraged by, uh, maybe you've already started implementing this and you want to tell us, man, how this is how I've seen it come. This is how I've seen it work. This is how I've seen it provide beauty and life, grace, peace, and love.